Welcome to episode 12 of the Berean Bible Prophecy Podcast. This is Bob McLaren in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, mid-January 2020, 2019 flew by. And I imagine 2020 is going to do the same. Uh, Been a lot of news in the Middle East between Iran and the U.S. and all others involved. Uh, Always something going on, but uh, things are uh, moving, I guess, in different ways uh, with Iran this time, uh, more direct action against them. Coming to you because I want to talk about the parable of the fig tree and primarily the reason why I put this podcast together, whether anybody listens to it or not, I do it for myself because I want to collect my thoughts and ideas and, and I want to, and my practice is to run across the internet, YouTube and other site, uh, other, uh, host of content and aggregate all the potential ideas, scrutinize them, check what is appears to be biblically based and collect those pieces of the puzzle. And that is what I primarily do for myself. Uh, I place them in a podcast just because I want to capture it all. I go back and listen to them myself because I am always, I'm always thinking in the current. I'm never stuck on one point. Uh, At least I'm always examining the whole picture. So if something needs to move and scripture allows for it, I'm certainly moving those pieces around trying to see what looks best based on scripture right now. Well, the reason I'm coming to you this week is I found a guy on YouTube, Dr. George Antonio, Antonios, N-I-O-S, uh, and I was originally searching on content, Daniel 9.27, looking at all the different viewpoints, and he had another video based on the parable of the fig tree, and and what struck me, and I hope you see this as well, is typically this is taught as, and rightfully so, this is taught as, you know, when you see the fig tree, either the uh, Matthew and Mark uh, read as when you see the leaves grow tender on the fig tree, blah, blah, blah. And and then Luke says when you, uh, let me see if I can find it, and he spoke parable of Behold the fig tree and all the trees, and when now they shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. Well, you know, we all, I think we're in great agreement here that Israel is presented as the fig tree. And I've heard others say that it isn't the fig tree, but it's more of a sign of watchfulness and not specific to Israel. What I'm bringing to you tonight that I heard from Dr. George Antonios is something very specific. And 
That is why one of the things I always try to do and what I harp on, and that is reading all the words, paying close attention to all the minute details. And that's why it's critical that you don't get stuck in Matthew 24 or Matthew 13 or Mark 13 or Luke 21 or Revelation 6. You've got to read all of them because I think I covered in episode one or two that those are like different news stations or newspapers covering the same story, but not all of them bring all the same facts. The core is the same. The summary is the same, but they all have a different perspective and they all, they all have little details that some of the others may not talk about. And those are important to pay attention to. Well, I've got one of those tonight and this is incredible. Uh, anyway, all credit to Dr. George Antonios uh, or Antonias and this is Luke twenty one twenty nine. But first, let me read you Mark or Matthew twenty four. Uh, how Mark states the lesson of the fig tree. Now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves. Ye know that summer is nigh, and he goes on. So likewise, blah blah blah. That's Matthew 24, 32. Paying close attention to the details. Mark 13, uh, Mark 13, 28. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. It's almost word for word in the Greek and English it's essentially stating the very same thing. So what does Luke say about this? We go to Luke 21, 29. And this is, this is pretty special. Uh, and I'll, I'll just interject here. It's special because we're all constantly evaluating, are we near the, are we, is summer near? Because there's a lot of good arguments for, nope, not yet, you know, could be another hundred years, could be another thousand years. You've heard the arguments. Some are better than others. Well, in, in scrutinizing what the news events that we see and the signs, we are trying to find out, are we in this time? And listen to what Luke 29 says. Pay close attention. And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. Did you notice the difference there? Luke states, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. It's, it's very little. It's subtle. It's a huge difference. It's something you're not going to see in Mark and Matthew. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. So what George Antonius, uh, what he did was, you know, if obviously if we are looking at Israel as the fig tree and it 
sprouts or grows or its leaves become tender, a symbol of new life, critical new life. It's been dead for 2,000 years. If we look at the phrase, all the trees, and in the context, those trees around the fig tree, we would expect to see new life or new growth in all the trees as well. So contrast between the fig tree and all the trees. So George Antonios, he st- what he presented was Israel was rebirthed a century, uh, essentially from the dead in 1948, regained Jerusalem in 1967. Then Iraq, one of its neighbors, uh, came into being in 1932, Lebanon, 1943, Syria and Jordan, 1946. Now you're going to say, whoa, people have been living there forever, thousands and thousands of years. But I challenge life cycle that Israel had where they go into a dormancy where they're either obviously people are living there but it's more tribal very unorganized Uh, there might be a kingdom here and there way back when but nothing nothing in the last several hundred years it uh, often they're ruled by another country the Brits uh, for the most part over Egypt and, you know, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, um, probably the whole place, the whole Middle East, but because they were such a huge influence in the 1800s. But what you'll find on Wikipedia, if you look at all the countries, all the trees around the fig tree, what you're going to find is they've all been given new birth or found new birth very recently in our parents' lifetime, if not our own, depending on your age. Again, I'm gonna I told you about Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. Iran, nineteen twenty five. We know that as Persia. It hadn't been known as it's 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 been Persia and then, you know, that area for thousands of years and all of a sudden Iran is birthed, this new kingdom comes to power, recognized as a kingdom in 1925. Tunisia, 1956. Turkey, 1919. Egypt, 1922. Saudi Arabia, 1932. Kuwait, 1961. Ethiopia, 1941. Yemen, 1918 and 1962. There's a Revolution and then some Independence Day there. Sudan, 1956. Afghanistan, 1919. Now, again, a lot of these were under British control up until for a long time, up until uh, 1800s, and then they gained their freedom now at the same time that Israel is rebirthed. And, of course, the Brits were in Israel and played a big part in that rebirth as well. 
they were there. Uh, but to me, that just adds more color to the picture or the painting on this parable. And it just reinforces why I do this and why you ought to be reading with a fresher set of eyes. Um, uh, just scrutinize everything. Uh, if you've got a, if you've got the strongs, look at the words that appear to be the same, but just just verify that they're the same in the Greek. Because a lot of times King James will use uh, the same word for a different Greek word underlying that word, and it's it's misleading. You miss the nuance in the Greek through the English. So uh, I've got other things I'll probably hold off. I, I want to make sure they're more mature before I bring them, but bring them to you. But I'm really excited about uh, to take a spoil and the two witnesses. And we'll say this, let me throw in a backtrack. Um, I've said that war, I mean, I've criticized people for saying, you know, the World War III is going to be over oil or whatever. And I said, maybe they're true, but the facts are there is such an abundance of oil and natural gas. I did an episode on that. And I want to backtrack a little bit because not that there isn't going to be war in the Middle East, but I'll just, I'll try not to go down this path, but I'll give you a hint what I'm looking at. And that is, I I just, I have a gut feeling, speculation, whatever, that the perfect storm will come upon Israel uh, pretty soon, based on the things we're seeing, that will make it so uh, extraordinarily wealthy, whatever adjective you can provide, uh, so much wealth per capita. And you got to remember, it's the size of New Jersey, I think. Uh, I have no idea what the gross domestic product of, or the yearly budget of New Jersey is. But with the natural gas discoveries and the deal with Cyprus and Greece to push the largest natural gas find uh, maybe ever, and I told you earlier uh, other episode that Israel consumes less than one percent, if that much, uh, annually uh, of what they already bring in. They haven't even tapped the Leviathan field yet, so what they've already got, they don't even consume one percent of it. They're selling off. They don't know what to do with it. Well, now they do. And that is through this natural gas deal that ultimately that natural gas is going to end up in Europe. And it's not that there's a shortage. It is that they are going to make so much money off of this deal because it is so much cleaner, so much easier to produce, extract, process, handle, and uh, deal with that uh, they, 
they are going to be essentially printing money and just think about if if it collapses if it if it collapses other countries economies just think of the jealousy that is going to rise up they already hate israel i mean that's already a given but now they have even more reason to blame them for the collapse of their economy potentially that's speculative but uh, I will say a year ago they had a company called Mutato who released a news article or had a press conference saying that they had found a cure for cancer and that they were testing right now and essentially uh Uh, I'll read you a snippet of it. It's a team of scientists won the Nobel Prize last year, 2019. Either that would have been 2018 or 19. For their work on phage display in the directed evolution of new proteins, in particular for the production of antibody therapeutics, the the Jerusalem Post reported. AEBI, the company, is doing something similar but with peptides compounds of two or more amino acids linked in a chain according to morad or according to morad peptides have several advantages over antibodies including they are smaller cheaper and easier to produce and regulate now it probably that stuff doesn't mean anything to most of us other than what i've what i've googled on it and looked at they are using a te- this technology is used for other things, but uh, their their company name it's it's a or the process called Mutato. It's short for multi-target toxin. Essentially, you are bombarding cancer with different from different avenues or entry points, so that the cells just. Uh, it allows the body to now take over and it just it's super targeted precise very very little uh, side effects and as they claim smaller cheaper very easy to produce and regulate because they are already in use in other areas of chemistry and medicine this is just a multiplication effect here that exponential from their own words is exponentially uh, effective so the the sum is greater than the parts you've heard that evidently this applies in medicine as well well just think i mean think about the billions if not a trillion around the world that is spent on cancer and treatment research and whatever else is tied to that industry, it's been and it's been going strong for the last fifty years, billions of dollars a year, millions of people work in that industry. They specialize in that's all they do is specialize in in uh, some type of cancer technology and. If, if something truly was a cure and it was cheap and effective and had no side effects and actually killed the cancer 
without chemo, without any uh, recurrence. Can you imagine the damage? Now, the, the great benefit to the world that it would bring, can you imagine the damage that would do to the economies or at least the livelihoods of millions of people in medicine? The many pharmaceuticals that make billions a year treating cancer and researching and all that. I mean, again, it's all speculation, but that's why I say, I just wonder if we are going to witness a perfect storm of energy through natural gas and oil and medicine and all of that on a tiny little country that is already hated amongst the nations, only has a handful of allies and and can you imagine the jealousy and anger that would trigger uh, if all those things took place in nations around the world who are not looking to hold back anything from Israel? They, they are looking for a reason to strike out. And again, you throw on top of that the unveiling or discovery of the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine the craziness? For me, speculating, that would lead all into apostasy because we know that temple that is going to be built is an abomination because there is no need for a daily sacrifice. Christ completed the work. There is There is no case in which daily sacrifices are required for anything. And uh, that is the apostasy, at least based on the scripture that we've seen, which again, we covered in another episode where the only two identifiers that are explicitly laid out uh, with a falling away or apostasy is... uh, abstaining from meats and abstaining from marriage or foods, certain foods and forbidding marriage, you know, just things that are law-based, rule-based. So uh, that's what it tends to look like. But man, you put a temple out there and that ark shows up and all the wealth of Israel, again, all speculation, but they've got the natural gas now. And they've got the deal that's about to go through. So who knows? But, uh, you know, circling back, all the trees came up with the fig tree. To me, that's amazing confirmation in the fine details. And that's what I really like because it's in the fine details. When you see those kind of things lining up, you know that piece really does fit. That's probably enough for now. Y'all take care.